0: Welcome back once again to another episode of WVU Marketing Communications Today. Coming live to you from the campus of West Virginia University, it's a syndicated show that sits squarely at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and modern marketing techniques. With the man who's going to make sense out of this mystery for us, Mr. Michael Lynch. Hey, Michael. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm always curious. You know, this show intersects both science and art, magic and logic. And I'm always amazed how you make the two of them come together here. Today, I think you're going to talk about social media and social change.
1: We are going to talk about social media and social change, and moreover, cause marketing. And I'm very pleased today to have Kellyanne Collins with me. Kelly is the CEO and founder of Vault Lab, which is a digital marketing agency that focuses on social media management for companies, organizations, and thought leaders, and also campaigns for social good. Let's kick it off. Uh, What is cause marketing?
2: Cause marketing is pretty simple, actually. (laughs) Instead of advertising or marketing to sell something, like a product, you're out there marketing and spreading awareness for a cause. So, cause marketing is nonprofits or corporations. A lot of people think, oh, it's nonprofit only. It can also be brand or a big company.
1: That's wonderful. I see so many cause marketing programs and campaigns coming through social media. Why is social media such an important media for cause marketing?
2: Social media is great because you can build a one-on-one connection with your customers or, you know, people following your cause. It actually started, I don't know if you know this, but I find it really interesting because it started back in the 80s. And American Express actually coined that phrase when they ran a campaign to help raise funds to help rebuild and, you know, restore the Statue of Liberty. (laughs) So they coined the term. Back then, it was more like TV ads and things like that. But now we're using social media. Everyone's there. So it's a great platform to connect with people one-on-one and appeal to them emotionally. Um, it's also great for building communities and building a community around a cause, which I'm sure American Express would have loved back in 1983 <laughs> if they could have connected with more people <laughs> one-on-one instead of you know just through TV ads and newspaper ads.
1: Do you see that there are any generational or demographic differences that make social media so important or so valuable?
2: Yeah. Right now, young people are growing up with social media. (laughs) So years ago, we grew up with TV. That's what we were used to. Well, they're used to brands talking to them, engaging with them, and actually interacting with them. So in the future, I mean, especially for causes and brands, social media is just going to be vital to success.
1: What do you think are some of the issues that nonprofits are facing today uh, when it comes to digital marketing and cause marketing?
2: Here's a huge issue. If you're a nonprofit that's been around for a long, long time, you're probably running into a problem because most of your supporters have been writing big checks and sending them through the mail. That's not happening now because millennials, Generation Z, they just don't donate that way. They want to connect with a brand. They want to know what's happening. They want to see where their money's going. So, you know, there are stats out there and there have been studies, and they say that if, you know, brick and mortar style nonprofits don't make a change and convert to digital and start engaging with their followers, building a community around their brand and their causes, that they could actually disappear by 2025, which is not too far away.
1: Right. Wow. Yeah. One it's of the scary. issues I see. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kelly.
2: Oh, no, I was just going to say it's really scary to think about, you know. But, like, years ago, people, you know, they just wrote checks. A lot of people still write checks. I've worked for organizations and helped, you know, bring them into the year 2019 because um, it, that's going to fade. There's going to be a transition.
1: I know the university where I got my undergraduate degree has definitely changed an awful lot since I went there. And in their their cause marketing, their fundraising, et cetera, I found that the biggest issue they had was just trying to figure out how to get started. It's a very young university with obviously very young alumni, even though I'm not the youngest alumni. Do you see that as a problem out there is just not really knowing how to get started or really to get your donors to understand that every little bit counts?
2: You know, connect your social media, like especially with younger people. You know, when you have a young audience like that, when you have, alumni who are just graduating, of course, you know, they're not going to have the money to write a big check. But what you want to do is, you you know, you want to connect with them, and social media is great for that, and you want to start communicating this. I always think of it like, you know, you want to become friends with the people (laughs) that you want to get money from in the future. (laughs) As a brand, as a university, as a nonprofit, you're just going to want to, um, you know, make that connection. And... They are going to have that money someday, right? So 10 years down the road, they will. Getting started, there are like so many steps that you can take to get started. First of all, just drafting a strategy, not going dark on social media, constantly engaging, letting them know what's going on is going to help. So a good first step is that. Don't sell to them. Don't ask them for money all the time. You want them to get to know who you are. So you wanna connect with them, just like you would connect with a friend. You're not gonna go to your friend and ask for money. (laughs) So you wanna connect with them, just like you would connect with a friend and be like, here's what's happening, here's what we did. Just get out there and start posting some content as my best advice for getting started.
1: That's excellent. One term that I, I hear knocked around a little bit that I really don't understand or really don't completely have my arms around is influencer. And I hear micro-influencers, macro-influencers, and those terms don't really necessarily resonate with me. What exactly is the difference between a micro-influencer and a macro-influencer?
2: There are like four types of influencers um, that oh, great. You know, brands are look, looking at right now. Yeah, so they are the macros, the micros, the megas, and the nanos. <laughs> so, okay, when you start with a mega-influencer, that's going to be someone huge like Ellen, Oprah, a household name, like Bieber. Someone you can just say one name and people are going to know who they are. They have tons of followers, but they're not always going to be the best choice for you. I mean, yes, it would be great if Kylie Jenner would mention your brand, but do you have a million dollars to pay her to do that? Also, her followers are, you know, like Ellen, Oprah, they're so diverse that just might not make sense, especially say you're selling a book on, let's say we're selling a book on social media. How many of Justin Bieber's fans are really going to buy that? Probably not too many, so it wouldn't be worth spending the money. There are also macro influencers. They're just a notch down from the megas, and they have like between 100,000 and 1 million followers. So um, they would be a little bit better, more targeted. These are mostly people who are like bloggers or vloggers. The micros are when you get down into like, the 1,000 to 100,000 range, and then you even have nano-influencers. So if you don't have a lot of funds, I would always go with someone like a nano or a micro, because these types of influencers are way more targeted. So the micro-influencers and nano-influencers, these are gonna be people who are like maybe activists or wellness experts or someone in their community that's respected, and you actually get higher engagement from these types of influencers versus just having Oprah blast something out on Twitter for you.
1: Well, that's great. How do I find these influencers? I mean, I, again, I'm a, I'm a little bit naive to this and a little bit new to it. How do I really identify what a really good micro-influencer or macro-influencer is?
2: Depending on what you do, what your cause is, say your cause is conservation, a good place to always start is just starting in the channel. So if you want to find someone on Instagram who you want to partner with and do some promotional things, just start looking at the hashtags that you use. So maybe it would be, you know, hashtag you know, conservation or hashtag eco-friendly. And then see who is posting. Look at the most popular posts. See who's getting activity. There are also lots of apps you can use, different platforms that you can use. And they will show you in the analytics, like, oh, this, this person you know, really talking about this a lot and getting a lot of engagement. So there are tools you can use to help detect them.
1: And what are some of the better analytic tools? I know um, I live in the world of data marketing and data analysis. So to me, crunching numbers is just a lot of fun. But what tools (laughs) might I want to use to really uh, evaluate what a good influencer might be?
2: Well, there are a lot of tools. (laughs) There are a lot of tools for doing that. I usually just start though in the actual platforms. You go in and do a Google search and look, you're going to see different ones. I tend to just look through, like if you look on, I, I do a lot with just plain old Buffer and looking to see who your top engaged fans are. Buffer has a new tool called Buffer Analyze, and it'll show you who your, you know, top influencers are. And that's, a lot of nonprofits use that platform. Another thing you can do is you have a Facebook page. It'll also show you who some of your top engagers are. And sometimes you might want to start with someone who's just creating a lot of noise on your platforms first.
1: Now, Kelly, I know you've worked with a lot of different organizations and you've been very successful in many of the things you've done. What are some of the organizations that have really shown the greatest amount of success in cause marketing as far as you're concerned?
2: Oh, okay, (laughs) that's, um, I've worked with lots of great brands. As far as cause marketing, I worked with Conservation International. So I worked with them on different campaigns with their team and we did a great campaign a couple of years ago and partnered with HP and it raised a million dollars for different conservation projects. They do a great job for sure. And as a corporate partner, HP is great. Adobe does a lot of social good. So I've worked on some Adobe campaigns. Starbucks. (laughs) Starbucks is actually really good. Um, You know, they do a lot of cause campaigns, too, and they're very interested in conservation.
1: Wonderful. To get back to influencers just one second, what is the big difference between macro-influencers and micro-influencers other than the size? do they really have let's say a different set of causes a different set of approaches a different set of geography possibly what exactly would differentiate them
2: a micro influencer is going to be someone who is really focused on a specific area it could be an industry expert that could be a specialist if you're in wellness it could be maybe a personal trainer or a nutrition expert who has a really targeted following, even though it's not as big as a macro or mega influencer. So these smaller influencers, their audiences are way more targeted than the big ones. You think about it, it's like Oprah, (laughs) you know, versus a subject matter expert. Sure. And those subject, yeah. So the subject matter experts, they are going to get you more traction. I found if you're very targeted with your influencers and with your content and with your ads, you're going to get way better results than just trying to throw a net out, you know. And
1: That's perfect, Kelly. That's Thank something. you. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a little break now. And when you come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Giving Tuesday and what Giving Tuesday is really all about. Great.
0: All right. And before we go there, let's give you something to think about. And that is West Virginia University's online data marketing communications program. It's the first and only one of its kind in the country, a graduate-level program that helps you with critical problem-solving and informed decision-making. The Data Marketing Communications Program prepares you for your career by learning from top-level faculty like today's uh, host and our guests uh, about the innovative tactics they're using to reach people in today's ever-changing, ever-confusing media landscape. For more information, simply go to dmc.com wvu.edu, which stands for the Data Marketing Communications Program at West Virginia University. All right, back to our two social influences here as they discuss how to reach these people.
1: Well, thanks. Again, Kelly, what exactly is Giving Tuesday? We've talked about that. I hear about it all the time. Uh, Just what is it?
2: Okay, well, Giving Tuesday is a day. It's a Tuesday, and it happens after Thanksgiving in the United States. And what it is, is it's a day of charitable giving. So it's like a holiday for activism.
1: Okay, well, how can brands hop on this Giving Tuesday train to really expand their reach and really start to make an impact?
2: Well, if you're a brand and you want to make an impact, you know, you want to start doing some social good, maybe you haven't done anything yet. Giving Tuesday is a great day, especially because right now we're in June, so you have time to prepare for December. What I would do is I would start, you know, looking for a cause, a nonprofit to partner with, and then start working with them to help drive their Giving Tuesday campaign now.
1: So it's not too soon to start to get ready for Giving Tuesday. What are some no. of the big organizations that really have taken advantage, Not, I don't know, maybe taking advantage might not be the right expression, but seem to get the most impact from on Giving Tuesday?
2: Well, I will say that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation make a big impact on Giving Tuesday. In fact, they have in the past matched up to $2 million in donations.
1: My. Um, that's great. Through Facebook.
2: Yeah, yeah. And Facebook is really good for supporting nonprofits on Giving Tuesday. And that's why I say start now, because if you're a company and you want to prop you know, partner with a nonprofit, you know, now's the time because you'll also want to make sure that your cause is ready for Giving Tuesday too to take advantage of some of these matching opportunities.
1: Great. We talked a little bit about demographic differences earlier. Do the different generations, the different demographics, do they donate differently? Do they get involved in causes differently?
2: They do. Um, you know, of course, the younger generation. What they're doing is they're tending to. Um, uh, they'll join a cause and they'll like um, some campaigns that do really well with younger people. If you want to get Gen Z, and get millennials on board right now. I would do a campaign. I have done these in the past. Like with Adobe, we did a campaign for every retweet, $10 was you know, donated to a cause. Or Conservation International, we did something where $1 for every like. So we raised $1 million that way. In 24 hours, Adobe was successful raised $10,000 in 24 hours. So if you want to get a younger generation, they may not have the money right now. But what you want to do is you want to get them involved and engaged so they will donate later. But what you can do is you can partner with a brand. The brand puts up the money, and that goes into your nonprofit, and you're getting the younger generation involved. So it's a win-win win situation for everyone. But people who are older, I mean, they are um, on different platforms. So maybe they're not on Snapchat or Twitter, but you want to go somewhere like Facebook. So it's about the platform you're using, too.
1: Now, what can be done with a skeptic like me who sees (laughs) something online that says, like this or forward this, and a dollar will be donated to Conservation International. And we look at that and we go, oh, come on. How do you differentiate or how can you really get across your causes so people understand that they're legitimate?
2: Okay. Well, if you're a brand or supporting a cause, or if you're a nonprofit, you want to do everything the right way. You want to set your foundation up correctly. So that is having quality content, having a good overall social media strategy. You want to get verified on the platform so people know you are legit. And, Excellent. Yeah, and the same with brands, too. So don't donate money if somebody does not look legitimate, for sure. Don't do that.
1: Well, as we all know, people's attention span is, are really short. What can a corporation or a nonprofit do to have a long-lasting social good impact on social media and to ensure that their campaign is not just forgotten on not giving Wednesday?
2: I always look at everything as long-term. So even if you have a campaign that's short-term, so you need to raise $10,000 or a million dollars, you don't want to just go and do that. You want to think long-term. You want to think ongoing drum beat. You want to build lifelong relationships with your followers, with your fans. And have a lot of fun, creative campaigns and things to keep your audience engaged. So if you are a nonprofit or a brand, it could be a contest, it could be art, if you're rebranding, have people submit logo ideas. The key here is to engage and engage and engage and engage.
1: Now, that's perfect. I mean, it sounds to me like many other forms of marketing, part of a key is to keep your brand, to keep your image, to keep your campaign in front of, dare I say, the customer, to try to create momentum and and keep the momentum going while we right. still have some time. Kelly, could you please just tell us about Volt Lab and exactly what you do?
2: Okay, sure. Um, at Volt Lab, we do we say internally good things for the world, and we work for companies we work with nonprofits who are doing good things so that's the only rule that we have we do social media management and campaigns we um, help fundraise digital marketing but our main focus is social media social media management and the campaigns.
1: and if somebody wants to reach out and contact you what's the best way to do that
2: well we have a website that's voltlab.com and then we're voltlab everywhere I'm also everywhere, <laughs> and my handle is itskac, I-T-S-K-A-C, and that's on every platform you can think of.
1: Do you find that one platform works better for social cause marketing than, than another platform?
2: We've had success everywhere, so it just depends on who you are targeting. It depends on the campaign. There is an ambassador for um, an organization that's working to eliminate single-use plastics, and they're called Lonely Whale. And they have a younger audience, so Instagram is really great for them. If you have an older audience, Facebook is really great. Although a lot of people who are a little bit older, not millennials, you know, Gen Z or my my age are everywhere, too. Twitter is also great for activism. really just depends on who you're targeting. The Younger audiences tend to be on Snapchat and Instagram. So.
1: Well, this might be a little bit self-serving, but do you know of anybody that's using podcasts for <laughs> cause marketing?
2: Yeah, and I view, and I know people don't, but I view podcasts as a form of social media. I mean, it's basically what the radio used to be, <laughs> what the radio you know, still is, it's just on a different platform. But we work podcasts, we do those too, and we work those into social media strategy say okay we're going to do a monthly one or a weekly one and then we work that in and we promote it on all the social media channels and it is great platform for sure
1: well kelly again i want to really thank you for being on our podcast today and talking about cause marketing it's something that is very very important and it's something that i know more and more people particularly different demographics are taking a greater interest a greater concern a greater awareness Uh, for the world around them and I think what is being done through social media is really driving a lot of great things so again thank you so much Kelly
2: thank you have a great day
0: you've been listening to WVU Marketing Communications today brought to you live from West Virginia University a weekly program that sits at the intersection of data driven decision making and marketing practice only on the Funnel Radio Network for At Work listeners like you